Hey guys, Montel here, and thanks so much for tuning in to Let's Be Blunt with Montel. We normally talk about everything cannabis and try to make sure we give you information to help you navigate this really daunting space out there these days. But we also talk about other subjects, and today I am really happy to have our guest, who's a clinical psychologist and both a diplomat of the American Board of Sleep Medicine and a fellow of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. He's been a sleep expert for WebMD for over 14 years, and he's also the author of three books. Good Night, The Sleep Doctor's Four-Week Program to Better Sleep and Better Health, The Sleep Doctor's Diet Plan, Lose Weight Through Better Sleep, and The Power of When, Discover Your Chronotype. So thank you so much for being here today. Joining us, Dr. Michael Bruce. Thanks so much, sir. Thanks for being the good friend that you've been over the years and all of the hard work that you do. So I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. I'm really excited to have you here, especially at this time. We're going to talk about why in a few minutes, but let's go back and let's just make sure people understand. First off, mm-hmm. right now we're dealing with probably one of the toughest times most people have ever had in their lives. This pandemic, socially dis- social distancing, spending time at home alone, literally trying to figure out each day what to do with themselves. <laughs> and then when the day ends, being so anxious that they can't figure out how to go to sleep. Right. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, the importance of sleep and to our overall health and yeah. tell us, you know, how inadequate or poor quality sleep impacts us. But start first with how important is sleep to our overall health? People need to understand this right now. Absolutely. So, so I would argue that sleep is arguably the most important and the least expensive way to boost immune function and overall health that you could possibly have. And during a time like now where many of us are sheltered in place and dealing with the pandemic and quarantine, there's a lot of different things that we should know and understand. So let's take a step backwards and talk about how does sleep affect overall health, then immune function in particular. So overall health, it's everything you could imagine. As I often say, literally everything you do, you do better with a good night's sleep. Sleep affects every organ system and every disease state. Um, Here's some really interesting data that I think you'll find in particular very interesting. We now know that the more sleep deprived you are, the faster cancer cells multiply. Cancer, okay? Like we're not messing around here, right? When you're sleep deprived, Cancer is growing in your system. Interestingly enough as well, if you administer chemotherapy at very particular times in somebody's 24-hour circadian cycle, you need less chemo and it's more effective. So when we start to think about it, I mean, the Nobel Prize in medicine two years ago was won by sleep researchers, circadian researchers of all people. So when we start to think about how does sleep affect our health? The better thing is to say, how does sleep not affect our health? It literally hits every single thing that we do. Somebody asked me, you know, what's more important, sleep or food or sleep or exercise or things like that? Here's what I can tell you. You can make it, um, and you would know better than most from uh, being a Navy SEAL, you can make it about four to six minutes without air, right? If you, if you really know what you're doing, right? You can make it... Um, for about four days without water. You can make it almost 30 days without food. You can't make it more than about six or seven days without sleep um, before you start hallucinating and some really weird stuff happens. And I know um, with your military background, you may, you may have pushed some of those limits at certain times in your life for sure. But you know, as normal humans, we can't, we can't do that. So sleep is really an important, important factor to our overall health. Now let's, let's be more specific to immune function. 
We know that during stage three, four sleep, which is that physical restoration that occurs in the beginning third of the night, this is where killer T cells are produced. Now, if you don't remember back to high school biology, killer T cells are the white blood cells that our body produces specifically to fight infection, okay, specifically to fight virus and disease. I can't think of a thing that we want more of right now than killer T cells, right? And so if sleep, right, directly affects our ability to produce these killer T cells, then we need to do everything we can to improve not just the quantity of our sleep, but the quality of our sleep. And I would argue that the quality is even more important than the quantity in in many of these situations. So the good news here is, is that we have something readily available to us that can have a dramatic impact on our health and well-being. Wow. Well, first of all, I got to thank you for for crediting me for being a SEAL. I wasn't a Navy SEAL. I was a special duty intelligence officer. I'm sorry. Okay. I knew that. I want to make sure everybody at home knows I'm not trying to take credit for being a SEAL. I was nope. not a SEAL. I was a special duty intelligence officer, and I worked with the SEALs from time to time. So thank you so much. That's what it was. And we also have to make sure to give a shout out for our guys in the military. Sleep is probably the most important thing that our military guys need to recommend, need to understand that they need to get every single day. Yes. So we have a lot of guys in the military that tune in to Let's Be Ball Montel. And I want you to know that Dr. Bruce is talking straight at you, my friend. You, yep. you, we, we, first off, we applaud you for being on the front line and working Absolutely. as hard as you are and, and being as, as vigilant as you have been. But you will not be as vigilant as you need to be unless you make sure every single night you get good quality sleep. So yes. thanks for bringing it up, Dr. Bruce. And thanks for acknowledging our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Coast Guardmen who are out there, just like our frontline, you know, uh, frontline forces that are here within the United States helping protect us from this virus. These guys are protecting, defending this Constitution in limited spaces. Right. You know, not being able to socially distance like some of us are required. Oh, I know. You guys are on submarines or on ships where probably you have no more than a foot between people at time to time. So I want to say thank you for our soldiers and sailors for doing what they're doing, airmen, coast guardmen, and marines. But now let's go back to the idea of sleep. You know, now, during this really tough time of isolation, you know, people are under a lot of stress. Some people don't even recognize how much stress they are under. Right. And they don't recognize how stress impacts their sleep. I find myself, I think myself, you know, I, I think of myself as a person who, who pays very close attention to my health. However, I got to tell you, in the last month, man, my, my exercise schedule has been really, 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 you know, uh, been uh, leaving a lot to be desired. And I'll tell you why, because I'm living in Miami. Temperatures down here have been skyrocketing throughout yeah. the, for the last month and a half. It's 81 degrees at night now, you know. And, right. Because of my MS, I have an issue with heat. And so, you know, it, it's uh, like last night, I and my wife waited all day long to want to go out and exercise. But then it was like 830 before the temperature got to 79. And I was like, no, if I go out right now, I won't go to sleep. Right. Exactly. So, so, you, so here's what's interesting about what you just brought up. So number one, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and th- there's an, uh, several important things I want to unpack here. So number one, movement is so critical to our sleep and our ability to get good quality sleep is actually about how much movement we have during the day. I saw a tweet from a celebrity the other day that said that they had only taken 200 steps and it was two o'clock in the afternoon, right? Like, think about that, dude. Like, you and I, we've done that by like nine o'clock in the morning, you know, like 6,000 steps by that period of time. So the overall level of movement is down. Here's what's fascinating about that. 
It's making us feel fatigued, not like we're full of energy. You'd be like, well, wait, I'm not moving. I should feel more energetic. Not the case at all. That lack of movement in total is actually making us feel fatigued, number one. Number two, you brought up the anxiety, and that is the biggest factor that's going on here. And what's interesting is it's a different kind of anxiety. I would argue it's an anxiety that none of us have had the opportunity to experience in this kind of manner, right? I mean, I get it. There are people um, out there who might have experiencing that, you know, been in foreign places where they've had to deal with, you know, a, a pandemic type of situation before. But I'm pretty confident that nobody, at least in my lifetime, I'm 52 years old, we've seen anything like this. So here's where it gets weird, right? Is we're not just fearful for ourselves. We're fearful for our family, for our friends, for our future careers, Right. We don't know where dollars might, may or may not be coming from. We don't know a lot of these different things. And by the way, we're now living with the people. And don't get me wrong, I love my family. I haven't lived with my family 24-7 this long in my life, okay? So there's new nuances to that whole scenario. And what it does is it increases that level of stress. And when we've got that high of stress, we ain't sleeping. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you want to know how to become a social media influencer, how to grow an online business, how to make money from your laptop and build a profitable online company? Well, I'm going to show you how in my podcast, Living the Red Life. I built a million dollar company at the age of 25, a $10 million company at the age of 30, and now I'm the A-list celebrity marketer that speaks around the world on how to transform businesses and make them profitable using Facebook ads, marketing, social media. My name is Rudy Moore, and I'm super pumped to bring you my podcast, Living the Red Life. I know this is going to become your new favorite podcast, and I'm going to show you how to grow a profitable online company step-by-step every single week. Right. You know, I'm, an, I'm, an, uh, I'm a very good close friend also. I don't know, do you know who Dr. Bebek Katab is? I don't. I'm sorry. Yeah, Dr. Bebek runs a thing that's called the, uh, you know, the Brain Mapping Institute. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Similar yeah. to Daniel Amen. Yeah, I know him. And, and they've been talking about this now. As a matter of fact, we're trying to put together a panel to get, there, to get together and discuss. Most people don't understand this pandemic that we're living through right now, which could have a second phase anyway, it will. But this is the first of two major pandemics that are going to be facing this country in the next six months. The second pandemic is going to be mental health. Yes. Because mental health issues are going to skyrocket. They're already skyrocketing right now. We're starting to see a rise again in the suicide rate, though we already had a 22, 22 a day suicide rate among veterans. Those numbers appear to be going up right now. Yeah. And yeah. so people need to understand that, you know, this anxiety, we need to at least try our best to be in the best health we can be in to impact that the best way we can. And one of those is making sure that we get the proper amount of sleep, correct? There's no question about it. You, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we know that when people are sleep deprived, their reactions to anxious situations escalate. They become more anxious. So look at it this way. If you're just generally kind of a slightly anxious individual as it is, and then we stick you in quarantine, are you kidding me? It, it's like the anxiety just ratchets up. And you also brought up something else that I think is really important that we haven't addressed, but I think it's important to address, which is loneliness, right? And right. so when we're talking about quarantine, we're naturally restricting ourselves because that's part of the process. 
it turns out that loneliness is arguably one of the biggest factors for mental health, even more so than clinical depression, even more so than clinical anxiety, because it's subclinical. So many people are experiencing it that they're not even addressing it. And, and I really like what you had to say, Montel, which is think about what's going on with you and don't be alone, right? Reach out and get help. Right. Well, not only, not only reach out and get help, but I think on a daily basis, we have to understand that, yes, we need to social distance to impact the spread of this illness, but we do not need to social isolate. Exactly. You keep yourself from socially isolating by using this medium that we're communicating on right now. I get an opportunity to look you in the eye, you get an opportunity to look in the eye, though we're not in the same physical space, we're at least not isolated. I have contact with somebody. I tell you, I was right. I, I, I won't say which one, but you know, yesterday I had a conversation with a friend of mine who whose spouse called me, texted me and said, could you please just give a call to so-and-so right. because they're really feeling down and I'm at work. He happens to be a first responder. He's a, a, uh, you know, a fireman and he's out and about. I said, just give him a call because, you know, they're down. They're really, really, really down. So I picked the phone. I called and I, I, I get the, the answer to the phone call is tears. This person's crying. And, you know, I, I literally, it, it hurt me because I'm thinking to myself, they don't understand the difference between distancing and isolation. And after that 20-minute that conversation, which was all centered on, do not isolate yourself and do not sit there and try to talk yourself down into an abyss. Yes, we're all going through this right now. Everybody is going through this right now. Everybody wishes they could go back to work. Everybody wishes that they could go back and interact, but we can't. Right. So you got a choice. Either accept that as a fact, and once you accept that, then every time you feel yourself talking yourself into a depressive spiral, recognize that, you know, with the old uh, Dr. Lubomirsky formula about happiness is we have the ability to control at any given time of the day, any given moment, 40% of how we feel. Mm -hmm. We have the ability, as we can talk ourselves into a spot of depression, we can talk ourselves back out of it. Just by stopping your brain for a second and saying, wait a minute, let me think about uh, something good that happened last month. Let me think about something good that happened before this pandemic started. Let me think about something good. Yep. Think about it. Right. You know, why? I mean, you know, just as much as you can sit there and be depressed because, oh, what was me? I can sit there and go, dang, I remember when I was at that club. That was so much fun. And so-and-so told that joke. Yeah, that was like, why not? Right? So I completely agree with you, Montel. And so here's one of the things, here's one of the ways that we can use what you just said to all of our benefits. And it's actually something that I'm recommending. So we know that during this time of quarantine, people are having some crazy dreams. Mm -hmm. Really crazy dreams. Oh, absolutely. Nightmares, stressful dreams, scary dreams. Here's something that most people don't know. There's data to suggest that if you do things that are optimistic before bed, not only do you fall asleep more quickly, but your dreams are more positive. Okay? And wait, let me crack it. Can I jump in on that? Because one of those things yeah. optimistic that you got to do, and this is for those guys out there that are tuning in, is cut off that daggone television. Yes, that's my number one wreck. If you're going to put that stupid thing on before you go to bed, change it to a channel of something positive. Like I tell you, there's a, there's a personal experience for me. Three days ago, I'm laying in bed while well, my wife is going to go to bed. And I normally cut the TV off. I, I take 15 minutes to go to sleep anyway, so I'm in darkness. But, you know, I just happen to put on one of the news channels. And, of course, what's the last thing I'm hearing before I go to sleep? How many people are dying? Craziness. 
Right. And so I'm in the middle of sleeping, and I woke up in a you know pretty pretty nightmare and sweating because oh, you yeah. know I had this thing crawling all over me. But it was because I'm sitting here thinking about the last thing I saw before I went to sleep. Exactly. I'm actually asking people to do a 90 minute media diet before bed. You don't need to know how many people died of COVID in your state or your county before you went to sleep, because I guarantee you, you're going to think about it in your dreams. I've got some couples, they're doing some really, so you mentioned something that I think is, is wonderful. I have one couple and they're planning their vacation each night before they go to bed, right? So they spend 30 minutes talking about where do you want to go? Let's look at this place. Let's think about this. Let's do this thing. And it's all positive, forward thinking. It doesn't have to be some, it doesn't have to be Hawaii. It doesn't have to be some amazing place. It could literally be a staycation. It could be just going out for, a, you know, a break to a restaurant when restaurants open up. But having that forward thinking positivity before bed is absolutely helping them. I have another couple and they take out photo albums, like from each year. And they spend each night, they spend, they go through half a photo album. And they remember all of the good times that they had from parties and children and events and holidays and all these very, very positive things that are happening before bed. Not only is it making people fall asleep more quickly, but again, improving their dreams. One other thing I want to point out to people that is a very important recommendation is keep your wake up time consistent. Okay. Just because you don't have to commute does not mean that you should get up later. You should get up at the same time every single day, weekday and weekend, because that circadian consistency is going to allow your body to know when to go to sleep and when to wake up. Otherwise, you get this fatigued, fogged out feeling. And then unfortunately, a lot of people, Montel, are taking naps now in the middle of the day, which couldn't be a worse idea unless you were taking naps prior to. So for example, with some of my patients with MS, I actually have them scheduled naps during the day to be able to allow for that level of fatigue to subside. If you didn't have scheduled naps before, you probably don't need them now, and it could be affecting your ability to fall asleep in the evening. So keep that wake up time consistent. Yeah, I'm one of those, you know, I have been way before this pandemic. I mean, for the last two years, I don't know if you know, I've, I've, you and I have spoken for a little while, but you know, two, two years ago, I had a major hemorrhagic stroke yep. that almost took my life. And since then, for me, the afternoons, I normally take about an hour and a half, two hour nap in the afternoon. Then I pop up, I cook dinner, I yep. walk around, you know, I might get a little exercise in the early evening. And then, you know, I and my wife sit and we'll, we'll watch some, some, some uh, Netflix, not right. the news. And then, you know, we'll watch a program and then we'll, we'll go and go to bed. But I make sure I wake up almost every single day at the exact same time. One of the other things that people can do is, you know, you can literally sit there. I, I, before the pandemic, I used to read, have a little mantra for myself before I went to sleep. And I would go to sleep to the mantra. And the mantra was, what did I do today that's worth talking about tomorrow? Oh, that's a good one. What did I do today that's worth talking about tomorrow? Now, because I'm isolated, I can't do all the helpful things that I was trying to do, you know, before the pandemic. But I can also reminisce on some good things that I've done in the past. So I now say reminisce on what, if, what I try to come up with three things that I did in the past that I thought were really good and positive things. Mm -hmm. And I think about them and I think about not only what the act was, but I think about why the act even happened. Right. And what made me think about it? And what, how did it make me feel when I did that? So I love that. Yeah. Well, so you end up forming positive thoughts before you go to sleep. 
And that's what I try to do every single day. And it's on those days that I don't do that. I guarantee you, I'm not getting good sleep. There's no question about it. And what you're talking about is something I've been recommending for years, which is almost a form of a gratitude list. Yes. It's just, you know, what are you thankful for, whether it's being able to affect people in a positive way, whether it's just having a roof over your head some days, you know, being positive before bed has a tremendous, tremendous applications for us. But here's another one for you. So I'm going to take it one step further because I know that I know you and I know you love to take it you know, an extra notch, right? And so I'm telling people to keep positive in the middle of the night. So follow me here. So here's what happens. You wake up, it's two o'clock in the morning. For whatever reason, you instantly look at the clock, you immediately do the math, and then it's negative, 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 right? Oh, crap. I've only got two hours left before I have to get up. I got to sleep. I got to sleep. I got to sleep. Well, here's what happens is we cause all of this autonomic arousal, which doesn't allow us to sleep. It increases our heart rate from a physiology standpoint. So here's what I'm telling people to do is when you look at that clock, say something positive. I am stoked. I've got two more hours to get some really good sleep. I'm going to chill and relax. I know that even if I don't fall asleep, my body is rejuvenating from just getting some rest. I'm going to kick back. I'm going to relax and see what happens. 90% of the time, people will fall back asleep. Again, because of this positivity number one, and not causing all of this autonomic arousal, which comes from the negative thinking, number two. So I love what you're talking about, Montel. And I'm, I'm telling people, be positive in the middle of the night too. That's actually, actually now maybe I'm going to start doing that that way. And I found for me, this is what works for me, may not work for everybody, but if I happen to wake up in the middle of the night, I wake up at two o'clock in the morning, maybe I got to get up and go to the bathroom. I'll come back, lay down in the bed. And I think to myself, instead of thinking about anything, Clear it. Right. Or it comes out of my mouth. I say it to myself. Clear it. Yeah. I have to I love that. Then what I do is after I say clear it, I start at one thousand, and I go nine ninety nine, nine ninety eight, nine ninety seven, nine ninety six. I just start counting backwards, count backwards. So I focus only on those numbers. Right. Nothing else. And then you know that there's the old theory of count and shoot. But I think that had something to do with the fact that you took your mind off of all the other things that would. Bother you. So I see these numbers floating by, and as those numbers float by, I'm telling you, by the time I'm at 971, I'm out. I'm gone. You know what I mean? And I'll wake up four hours later, which yep. is the best thing to do. Yeah, and so you're being super positive. So I have an adaptation to that technique that I use with some of my patients. So you, you figured out that counting backwards is actually smarter than counting forward because it requires some type of distraction from your brain. So I put, as again, I know you like to level up. I have people subtracting numbers by threes. So you start at a thousand or 300 and you go backwards by threes. It's mathematically so damn complicated. You can't think of anything else. You're out like a light. Wow. I might give that a shot. <laughs> Look, you coined a term. It's called not sleep disorder, but disordered sleep. What does that mean? So for me, I, you know, at being a sleep specialist my whole life, I've treated apnea, narcolepsy, restless legs, even some forms of insomnia. Those are sleep disorders, formal diagnostic criteria. But you know, there's so many people that suffer from what I call disordered sleep, right? So what that means is I went to that room in the back of the house and I got six, seven, eight hours and I walked out and I don't feel so good. What's that and how do I fix that? That's what I've spent the last five years of my career really researching, trying to discover and helping people. 
Gotcha. Okay. All right. For sure. Now, you know, there's this whole idea that uh, people use sleep aids. I like, can, can help them get groggy. And, you know, I guess one of them, especially right now, because they're talking about it also on the news, is that, you know, wine consumption, alcohol consumption. Absolutely. And a lot of people think that alcohol is a good sleep aid. But why don't you tell us about that? Ugh. It's arguably it's the worst sleep aid in the universe. So first of all, it's the number one sleep aid. More people use alcohol to make themselves fall asleep than anything else. But to be clear, Montel, there's a really big difference between going to sleep and passing out. Okay. Passing out is no bueno. That's not what we want our people to do. Okay. And there's a couple of reasons why. So number one, in this time in particular, <clears throat> let's talk about alcohol and how it affects the immune system. Alcohol negatively affects immune function period, end of story, okay? So let's not get confused about this at all. Not even one drink is gonna be helpful for your immune function. I get it, it helps you relax. I get it, it might help you um, loosen up a bit, but that's not what most people are doing. Here's what most people are doing. Hey, it's three o'clock, I've been stuck in the house with my kids, I've gone from Zoom meeting to Zoom meeting. You know, we got this wine cellar back here, or we've got like a case of, you know, bottles of wine that we've gotten over the years for Christmas gifts and holiday gifts. Let's drink one a night. Really bad idea. Okay. So absolutely alcohol consumption is up. Here's a couple of things, but I'm, I want to give people some rules as to what they can do. So if you like a nice big red or a glass of scotch or something like that, for each one glass of alcohol, you drink one glass of water and you wait one hour. Most people don't know this. It takes the human body approximately one hour to digest one alcoholic beverage. So if you do it like that, two glasses of wine, two glasses of water, two hours. Here's where it gets weird. When you go above two glasses, alcohol doesn't appear to have the same effect in humans as it does for the previous two glasses. Once you hit the third glass in women, it has a tendency to energize them. And in men, not only does it have a tendency to energize them, but it can also make them aggressive. Let's be clear, you've been locked up in your house with your family nonstop for eight weeks. I can't think of a worse thing to pour onto that situation than too much alcohol. It's just, it's just a terrible, terrible idea. Yeah, well, we're also seeing that, you know, domestic violence is on a rise right now across Absolutely. the country. And just like I said earlier, by the fact that, you know, mental health is yeah. really deteriorating right now. It is. It is deteriorating right now. And you know, you brought up a question about sleep aids, and I'd like to come back to that if you don't mind for a second. We really need to think through the idea of sleep aids here, right? So now to be clear, if your doctor has you on a prescription sleeping pill, don't stop taking that, right? That's a conversation between you and your doctor. There's a reason that you went on that medication. There's an you know, appropriate way to take yourself off of it. And by the way, it's not going cold turkey just because you decided to. And then maybe you ought to maybe you ought to also suggest the fact that you know some of these sleep aids that doctors will put you on were not meant to be a lifetime regimen. Exactly. Well, and in fact, I would argue that 90% of the doctors that are prescribing them are unfortunately prescribing them in an incorrect format. Because what they do is they say, here's a three-month script, come come back here in three months. What they don't do is say, let's use this medication to break the cycle of insomnia then I'm gonna teach you how to sleep and then I'm gonna slowly wean you off of that medication so that way the natural sleep process can, can continue and move forward. Almost very, very, very few doctors, believe it or not, very few sleep specialists are even doing this because they're primarily focusing on apnea and narcolepsy and those types of things. And so you're absolutely right, Montel, these drugs were not meant for extended, I've got people who've been on Ambien for 15 years, man. Insanity. Years. That's insane. 
right? Like that's just not good. Now, again, are there situations where somebody should be, if you have bipolar disorder and you've decided to top take, stop taking your medication and you need something to put you to sleep, I get it, okay? I understand that. That's not what I'm talking about here. Though. What I'm talking about is people are using things to make themselves unconscious, okay? That's very different than allowing the natural sleep process, right? to occur. And I think you're 100% right. You know, we look at over the counters like the PM medications, right? You know, the the different analgesics, the pain relievers plus PM. That's just Benadryl that they're adding on top of that. So here's the problem with some of those medications is long-term use, there's a direct relationship to Alzheimer's, Parkinson's and dementia from using these PM medications for extended periods of time. So again, not a great idea. I personally I'm more along the lines of supplementation and natural holistic forms to help people break that cycle and move forward with their issue. Well, since we're on that subject, I mean, you know, you know, I have a lot of friends and a lot of people who have actually now, because again, science is starting to understand how cannabinoids work and the fact that human beings and mammals have an endocannabinoid system. Absolutely. The endocannabinoid system is antagonized by certain cannabinoids. So cannabinoids at a certain level not necessarily THC, but you know, not necessarily just CBD, but CBG, CBN. There's yep. cannabinoids that actually will help to put the cells, the body in a homeostasis situation that will allow you to sleep better. What do you think about cannabis? And, and just talk a little bit about that cannabis and sleep because there's a lot of people I know, a lot of people. But I just uh, was uh, talking to JJ Mackey of uh, Fresh Toast, who's talking about the the, the, the number one question he's been getting for the last couple of months, especially during this pandemic, is can, can I, cannabis help me sleep? So, so, let me answer, so let me answer that question first. Yes, cannabis can help you sleep. Now, with everything, we need, to, we need to break it down and take a look at it. So let's look at cannabinoids in general. So I am personally a firm believer, and the science will back me up, that there are certain cannabinoids that are very positive for sleep. Okay. The biggest one is something called CBN, like as in Nancy. All right. Now for people who don't know what CBN is, it's actually old weed. So it's oxidized THC that is no longer has that psychogenic component to it, but does have that incredibly relaxation component that adds to the body relaxation that can really help somebody. Because like we were talking about before, what's the number one thing that's preventing people from sleep? It's between their ears, okay? It's that monkey mind. It's that inability to shut that off. Here's the thing that's been so fascinating to me, Montel, and, and it kind of brings us full circle from the beginning of our conversation. I've been an actively practicing clinical psychologist for 22 years, specializing in insomnia and sleep disorders. Every single person that I've ever treated who was a first responder or on the front lines or in the military so anybody who put their life on the line for my freedom, okay, number one, I have a tremendous respect for them, but number two, there's a switch that pops in their head when they're in an active theater of war, and it's, I call it the hypervigilance switch, and it's literally what keeps them alive. You can't turn that switch off. It just doesn't flip back off, okay? Now, again, I noticed this 20, 22 years ago, literally when I first started, and the only thing I've ever ever in my 22 year history found that's been helpful has been cannabis for these people in particular. Okay. So when you take an extreme case like PTSD, which is loaded with sleep problems, right? Nightmares, difficulty falling asleep, night sweats, all of the different issues. 
and you actually find something that is supposedly illegal, um, that is actually a medicine that is incredibly helpful, then you do everything you can throughout your career to try to discover what are those components and how can I help these people? Because these people saved my ass. I want to help them. Like that's just the bottom line for me. That's how I've always viewed it. So I've spent a large part of my career trying to understand things. Now, to be, to be fair, in the early part of my career, there just wasn't a whole lot of research going on that was available in the United States for me to even take a look at. It was all done in Israel and Belgium and Germany and a couple of these other places. Well, now, thankfully, that we've, we've started to see the recreational use of marijuana become legal, the medicinal use of marijuana become legal. Now we can actually start looking at it and treating it like the medicine that it is to help people. So with, with that, I, I'd say there's several constituents that people should be looking at when they think about what can they do to help themselves sleep and they're considering cannabis, right? So number one is you don't want to have a super high level of THC, but I'm one of the few people that says you do want THC in the product. And I'm going to explain to you why. So there's lots of different forms of THC. Some people may not realize that there's different forms. They're what are called isomers. There are some isomers of THC that have almost no psychogenic component to them, but have all the body relaxation components to them. So if you look at an example of that might be THCA, right? Yeah. And so, right. And you know what I'm talking about? You could take something with THCA, something with CBN and something called CBG. Yes. Dude, you are going to be done. Okay. And it's healthy. It's going to help you fall asleep and stay asleep. So this is also an important question is people say to me, well, does it outweigh the, the, do the benefits outweigh the detriments for something like cannabis, right? So number one, here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm not aware of a whole lot of detriments. I'm just going to be straight up honest with you. I That's wish somebody would come, could figure out one detriment, but I haven't figured out any of them myself. Yeah, I, I honestly have not been able to find any detriments. Here's what I can tell you is when you have high concentrations of straight up THC, not the isomers now, but straight up THC, it does lower REM sleep, the amount of REM sleep that an individual has. Um, depending upon the potency, you, there appears to be a very interesting relationship where you go increase, increase THC, you start to see um, uh, the REM sleep start to lower. That's again, broad spectrum THC, not THCA or B or, or any of the isomers, right? So that's one thing to remember. But here's the fact that nobody is talking about, which boggles my mind. People are like, oh, you can't, you can't use cannabis um, for sleep because it's going to knock out your REM sleep. It's going to change your sleep architecture, and then you're not going to get good sleep. Montel, do you know what sleep looks like on Zoloft or Prozac? or oh, Yeah. It Crazy. actually, all of those medications, which are called serotonin-specific reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs, they completely obliterate REM sleep. Completely. Do you know how many millions of people who are on these medications successfully taking these medications successfully, they have almost no REM sleep because the medication knocks it out. We're talking about THC here. We're not, we're not talking about anything that's going to be doing anything bad, right? And so if it lowers REM sleep, doesn't it obliterate it, lowers it a little, how can we as a community, as a healthcare organization, how can we sit there and say THC is bad when in fact they've been prescribing medications for 20 years that have 10 times the effect that cannabis would have? And all you have to do is find a strain of cannabis that doesn't have that high of a level of THC. Exactly. And has a higher level of THCA still there. Right. And has a CBN and right. CBG. 
And those together right there. Now, you know, it's very, very funny. I, I made a formulation where, you know, again, as science catches up to the plant the way it should have, we'll right. be able to isolate every single one of these individual cannabinoids and go back and then formulate them in a way so that the component part that you need the most is there. But I still am a very big believer in a broader spectrum. You know, yeah. the CBN will not work as well if there is zero THC. Exactly. If there's THC in there, that CBN is going to work a little bit better. It's so like an accelerant. Correct. It's like the taxi cab, I like to say. Yeah. You know, see if the, the CBD, CBN needs a taxi cab to get into to the cell walls. And that's okay. how they do it. All right, so that's good. So people need to know that, you know, and, and, and what I'm hoping is going to happen, and I'm starting to see, I think, and again, I was talking to J.J. Watt, J.J. McKay, during this pandemic, now in these eight weeks of, of isolation, right. there are a lot of people who are secretly using more cannabis than they were the beer and wine. Because, yeah. you know, they started- That's a good thing, dude. It's a good thing, yeah, because they started to realize that, hey, you know, I'm getting a gut right now drinking so many beers these nights. I think I'll shift yeah. over with the same benefit from two little hits. And I'm also noticing, especially like even myself, this isolation period has, instead of increased my usage, it's really kind of decreased my usage, causing me to take advantage of its effects, knowing that if I do it at one o'clock in the day or I do it at nine o'clock in the morning, you know, I'm, I'm... by the time I get to nine o'clock at night, I, I got to take three more extra hits than right. one hit. You know I mean, so if I start at nine or eight o'clock at night, now I'm only taking two and I'm good for the day and good for the bed. Exactly. And that's, and that's part of the point that I'm trying to make people to people. And also we need to also, if I can briefly mention these things called terpenes. Oh, absolutely. The people don't understand that we need to have terpenes and some of, you know, I got to tell you some of the fats and lipids also act as lubricants people need to notice i mean again we've gone through a period of time where now even in the hemp world everybody wants to isolate hemp cbd as if that's you know the miracle drug it's not but we're going to take we're going to face this for the next three or four years until we do enough education of the masses no i couldn't agree with you more dude i'm i'm on that train with you i'm sitting in the seat next to you You know, like I want people to understand and, you know, these terpenes and here's the thing that people don't even understand about terpenes. Terpenes are in every kind of plant there is, not just the marijuana plant. And so we can take um, aspects of, for example, there's there's a um, the the lemon has something called lemoline. Lemoline. Yes. Right. And and that's a citrus, very fragrant. You can change the entire effect of, uh, of an ingestion of cannabis by just changing the terpene profile, right? I literally made the, I've had in the marketplace, I don't have it out there now, you can find it still. I have a product out there, it's called Montel, that is a daytime formulation and a nighttime formulation of CBD. Yeah. And both of those formulations have a proprietary, you know, terpene mm-hmm. constituent to it. So I've got a 5% right. terpene constituent to it, but I've literally gone and selected those terpenes that were identified 20 years ago. Exactly. And plants is how, yeah. But people, you know, we've, we've been so, and, and, you know, again, I prefer using hemp-based, cannabis-based terpenes than anything that is going to be ingested by right. vape or smoked. Mm-hmm. I'll use fruit-based terpenes and anything that we digest and eat. Exactly. And, and, but, you know, a lot of this industry really hasn't even gotten up close to that yet. 
And it's, it's super unfortunate, but that's why, to be honest with you, people like you and I, we have to be the tip of the spear on this. You know what I'm saying? Like we have to be out here and educating. That's why I was so thrilled that you asked me to be on your show today is because I'm looking for places to describe this. I've written now close to 12 different thousand to 1500 word blogs on what is CBN, what is CBD. You know, if you're thinking about using cannabis for insomnia, these are the things you should think about. How much THC? How does cannabis affect sleep architecture? Does it really affect insomnia? How does it affect PTSD? Like, I mean, dude, I've written like almost a book. Give out right now where a person can go to, to download that and read it today. Oh, sure. If you go to my website, it's the sleep doctor and doctors all spelled out.com. Just go to my blog and type in cannabis. I mean, honestly, I've got more written on it than ever before. Or believe it or not, if you just go to Google, Google rather, and you type in sleep in cannabis, I come up like number two or three. So feel free to check it out. I'm going to tell you, man, I'm telling you, well, you know, I'm glad that again, we've reconnected and I want to make yeah. sure stay connected this way so we can continue to give this kind of information out to people to make them understand that, you know, as much as they may think that it's just something for fun or recreation, it's something that literally helps our individual the metabolism, our not metabolism, our endocannabinoid system, and there's a yeah. system in our body that's built. Yes, you know, we, were, we were little little rodents on a savanna. We ran around and tried to seek it out to eat it because it was part of what kept us healthy. And I'm yes. functioning at 100. Let's talk a little bit about you know you have five steps. I want to make sure before I run out of time. You have yeah. five steps for better rest. Let's talk about what they are. Absolutely. So so step one is to stick to one wake up time. So especially during COVID. Right. This is the thing that we're telling people is wake up at the same time during the week and the weekend. One, step one is one wake up time. Step two has to do with caffeine. I ask people to stop caffeine by 2 p.m. Most people don't. What's that? It was, it was so funny. I, I literally had read that step like, you know, about oh, an hour and a half ago. And I had done a podcast at 2 30 to 3 30 and was sitting there with a cup of coffee right here beside me. And as soon as I, I read that again, I went, oops, went and dumped a cup of coffee out. But yeah, I, I, I hardly, now I, I hardly, I have one cup of coffee a day, which is really interesting. Um, Cause go back 10 years ago, I used to be a coffee drinker all day. I would sit and have a cup of coffee after dinner, which right. was an idiot. Right. And um, so now I've literally tried my best to keep myself to a cup of coffee at 8.30, I'm sorry, 8.30, 8.45 in the morning. Mm -hmm. I've finished that cup of coffee by 9.30. And it takes me an hour almost to drink that single cup of coffee. I get done a cup of coffee and I'm done with it. Yep. So step two is to stop caffeine by 2 p.m. That way it doesn't affect your ability to fall asleep at night. Because it stays in your system for up to eight hours. Is that right? That's half of it. Only half of it. Um, is eliminated in eight hours. It could take up to 48 hours for all the caffeine to get out of your system. So be careful and please don't go cold turkey on caffeine. If you're a four to five cup a day person, slow it down by a half a cup each day. So if you're five cups a day, make that fifth cup half decaf, half regular for three or four days, then make that whole final cup decaf. Do not go cold turkey. I had two patients end up in the ER um, because they decided to just stop drinking coffee one day. So step number two, stop caffeine by 2 p.m. So go back to step number one for just a second. You said yep. have a wake-up time the same every day. Do you want to have a go-to-sleep? So what I've told people is there's a little bit more variability in the go-to-sleep time than in the wake-up time. But that's all based on what you want to do. So you know, if when you wake up in the morning um, and you get 15 minutes of sunlight, which, by the way, is step number five, it resets your brain. If you reset your brain at the same time every day, then your body knows what to do. 
it's kind of like blowing Reveille, you know, in the morning. It's wow. like, it's that thing that triggers you to be like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. This is what my, and your body just kicks into gear and you start going, right? So to be clear, step number two, stop caffeine by 2 p.m. But, and step number one is to have one wake up time. It's great if you could have one bedtime, but let's be fair. You know, things happen, right? You know, you want to watch the end of a movie or uh, you get a chance to talk with somebody that you haven't talked to in a while. Don't limit those positive experiences, but just, okay. you know, again, wake up time. It's very simple. Set your alarm, never change it. Got it. Okay. So that's where we got the wake up time and you have coffee, coffee at two o'clock. The third one. The third one is alcohol, right? So you want to stop alcohol three hours before bed, right? So again, it takes the average human body one hour to digest one alcoholic beverage. So allow yourself that opportunity. Don't go past two. I'm telling you now, it's not going to take you where you think it's going to, where you think you want it to go. Stop all alcohol by three hours before bed. Again, to allow your body because the very first sleep it gets is the physical restoration. And if the alcohol is on board, it knocks out that physical restoration. And then that fatigue that you are already feeling feels all night. 100% honest, everybody who's watching right now and listening and tuning in, I literally have not, I, I mean, this is crazy. Yeah. I stopped drinking alcohol with my diagnosis of MS almost 20 years ago. Wow. And I've had maybe a glass, half a glass of wine. I'll take a sip of a little bit of champagne on New Year's Eve. I may fill a glass with champagne, take one sip, and I don't even finish the glass. Right. And honestly, right now, I can't even remember the last time I had a sip of an alcoholic drink. And I don't miss it at all. So for those people out there who think that, oh, you know, Montel, the teacher, well, I'm not. I make sure I use cannabis every single day of the week. Every day I use. That's become my drug of choice. That's become my medication of choice. Right. And, you know, as crazy as it's going to sound, I'm sorry. Now, when I was in the military, look, I was, when I was in the military, uh, and especially in the submarine force, we were all known for being Scotch drinkers. You know, we used to pull in the hole yep. out of Scotland, and, you know, if you didn't get off the boat and go grab yourself a fifth and sit in the corner by yourself, you right. were some sort of, a, uh, you know, a freak. And I used to do so, and I, I enjoyed my alcohol for a long period of time. But guess what? When I stopped, Maybe for the first six or seven months, I kind of, you know, missed it a little bit. I go out to a club somewhere and want to have a drink in front of me. I don't miss it at all. I know. At all. Well, and here's the interesting thing when you look at cannabis versus alcohol. And I've, I've had this experience both personally and through many of my patients and many of my friends. They all say the same thing is once they recognize the importance and how to actually effectively use cannabis in their lives. Yep. Alcohol kind of becomes this secondary thing. It's like, oh, like I mean, I used to love to get a cocktail before, wine with dinner, and then an after drink. Like I loved the whole process. I can't remember the last time I ordered a drink anywhere. You right. know, even watching a sporting event. I mean, it used to be you'd always have a beer in your hand for the sporting event. Honestly, I don't even like once I started understanding how effective it can be and do the things that I want it to do. I just really don't have a taste for it. And that's not to say to those people out there who want their glass of wine each day. No, of course not. Have it. I'm just trying to tell you that, you know, you're not going to miss it as much as you think you're going to miss it if you decide to just err on the side of away from it. How about the fourth tip? Fourth tip has to do with exercise, right? And so we were talking about this at the beginning of our interview, exercise every day, but you don't want to exercise too close to bedtime. One of the things that you recognize by saying, I don't want to exercise at nine o'clock at night, 
because it's too late. What happens is when we exercise that late, our core body temperature rises. Our bodies do not sleep well in the heat. Our bodies always sleep better when it's cooler. So anything we can do to keep that coolness abound is, is important. Exercise daily, but don't exercise. Step four is don't exercise within four hours of bedtime. Okay. Step number five is very simple. When you wake up in the morning, you should have uh, water and sunshine. Those are the two things that are the most important for you to have. Water, because most people don't know this, Montel, sleep is actually a dehydrative event. So just from breathing, the humidity in our breath, we lose a full liter of water every single night. Yeah. Honestly, I can't think of anything worse than adding caffeine to that mixture. Because remember, caffeine's a diuretic, yes. right? So the first thing you should be doing is grabbing a room temperature uh, glass of 16 to 20 ounces of water, walk over to the window or walk outside and get 15 minutes of sunlight while you're drinking that water. There's a second scientific reason for doing this. Sunlight, when it hits the uh, specific cells in your eye called melanopsin cells, turns off the melatonin faucet in your brain. This is critical for brain fog in the mornings, right? And so when people wake up, they should swing their legs over to the edge of the bed and breathe for about a minute or two. Just breathe, okay? Then when you stand up, when you've got your balance, have your water get the, gets to some sunshine, get out there and make that part of your morning routine. So your consistent wake up time and your 15 minutes in the sun are things that you do in the morning. If you follow these five steps, and I'll go over them once more. Step one, one wake up time. Step two, stop caffeine by 2 p.m. Step three, stop alcohol three hours before bed. Step four, exercise daily, but stop exercise four hours before bed. And step five is to give the sun a high five, drink water, and get 15 minutes of sunlight every morning. You do those five things, and you are good to go. Wow. Wow. I can, thank you so much, sir. I mean, really, I, I think I, our viewers are really going to enjoy this. And what, if they want to get more information, though, what website should they go to? Uh, thesleepdoctor.com. You can find me there. It's super easy to remember. I have tremendous information on uh, supplementation, on cannabis, on uh, things to do in the middle of the night if you're not sleeping. You name it. It's all there and it's all free. I'm telling you, you need to make sure you go up there, sleepdoctor.com. Go up, take a look. Dr. Bruce has got really, really unbelievable information for you. I can't say thank you enough, sir, for being a part of today's podcast, Let's Be Blunt with Montel. I'd love to have you back again because I think we need to revisit this over and over again, and especially as this pandemic seems to now we're trying to open up. People are going to go back to work, but now their anxiety level is going to even go up even higher in some places, right? I would 100% agree with you. And people need to also think through this as an idea, as a, as a last thought idea, is cannabis can also be a very good anxiety reducer, right? And yes. so when we're, when we're talking about this level of anxiety that so many people are facing, um, there might be a place for a lowering of that anxiety by responsibly using cannabis. So I think there's just a lot of different ways that people can, can be affected by this medicine. Um, I'm super grateful for you having me on. Um, I, love, I love the title, Let's Be Blunt with Montel. That's just so you, dude. I love every minute of it. No, thanks. Um, and you know what I failed to do is I found you have a new book you're working on. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that before you go? So the book is all about energy. Um, and so we sleep to wake. You know, we don't sleep to have a good night. We sleep to have a great day the next day. And so I've teamed up. Uh, my partner is one of the original founders of Soul Cycle. Her name is Stacy Griffith. She's the um, she's the trainer who's got the crazy spiky hair that sticks straight up. Sure, sure. 
Yep, she and I are doing a book together where we're combining sleep and movement uh, and we're giving people protocols to give them energy during the day. So we're combining these two things for the very first time. So look for the book in probably 2021, but I promise you it's gonna be an awesome one. Well, I gotta tell you, I definitely wanna have you back. So every time you come back, you're gonna tell us how far you've gotten with the book and let us know more about when it's coming out. I gotta say again, thank you, Dr. Bruce, for being here. And thank you for tuning in through Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Make sure you tune into the next one. And remember that we still have some magic butter makers to give away, and we'd love for you to get one. So all you gotta do is click that little button down there in the corner that uh, lets you go ahead and maybe write, you know, a critique about what you heard today if you like it. You know, submit that, and we're using those as part of your, you know, uh, uh, chance to qualify to get one. So make sure you do that. I can't say thank you enough for tuning in. Let's be blunt with Montel is always available. You know how to get us. So tune in again. Thanks so much, Dr. Bruce. Thank you. And I really enjoyed being on your program, Let's Be Blunt with Montel. This is Dr. Michael Bruce wishing you sweet dreams. Are you dealing with best life burnout, constantly striving for more, and quite frankly, over it? Maybe you just want more joy, peace, and laughter in your life now. Well, then let's go. Welcome to your new favorite podcast, Hot Happy Mess, hosted by me, your girl, Zuri Hall. We are celebrating our magic in the middle of life's messes. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday. Listen to the Hot Happy Mess podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday. Casts.